Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Unplug with Annie. Today I start a brand new series called Drive and my first guest is somebody who is truly inspirational and has an amazing, amazing story without giving too much away. Justin grew up in a small village in Chicago um, where the population was literally 800 people. Um, he has just done some incredible work. He had, he had a dream to be a basketball player and to be the best in his town. And I think that's literally what happened. Um, so he became the first division one basketball player for Malta High School. And then he went on to do some coaching uh, due to a health uh, diagnosis. At one point in his life, he was severely held back and therefore he's gone through a lot of adversity but really come out the other side and persevered and I really admire his resilience. Uh, He's an entrepreneur, he's an athlete amongst many many other things and it's just truly wonderful to have him on the show and get him to share just a part of his story and hopefully it'll inspire you and um, encourage you to tune in for the whole series. So without further delay, welcoming Justin. Hey Justin. Hey, what's going on? How are you doing? Welcome to Unplug with Annie. Thanks for doing this and being um, the first guest on this new series called Drive. Well, thank you for inviting me. Honestly, I just feel like uh, privileged and honored to be on this. I've seen some of the guests you had on the on the past podcast, and just the idea that you thought of me and you wanted me on just made me. Uh, feel very joyful and happy and appreciative and grateful. So I just appreciate it. Oh, no. I mean, you, so you've had quite a roller coaster life uh, from yeah. your story. And I think it, it would just be so interesting to, to hear a bit more about it. So if, if you can first tell me a little bit about life growing up in Chicago, you, you had this big dream and mm. um, what it was like being a first division basketball player in, in, in such a small town. Yeah, it was it was great. I mean, honestly, I, yeah, I grew up in a town of 800. Uh, I had 78 kids in my high school, so it was a really small farming village. It's actually not even called a town; it's called a village, okay. and it's about two hours west of Chicago. So it's kind of in the middle of nowhere, almost in the Wisconsin uh, Illinois border. And honestly, ever since I was a little kid, like my dream was to play basketball. Like I, I just loved it. Like my dad was kind of a gearhead; was always playing with cars and in the garage, like building stuff. And I would just be in the driveway all day long playing hoops. Like, that's all I wanted to do. And I think it's probably just growing up in Illinois at the time you had uh, Michael Jordan was playing with the Bulls. The Bulls were really good. So they were, like, really kind of hot, the hot topic around. And then growing up, my dad was a basketball player. So I used to go to all of his games. I would go watch him play. Um, I'd go to the gym and be dribbling around in the corner while he'd be playing. Like, I was always just in and out of the gym. So it really has been, you know, was a dream of mine ever since I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. And, and, and were you always, were you always supported on this journey or did your father being a basketball player, did he sort of advise you against it or was no. family always supportive? <laughs> oh, I've had, like my family is probably one of the most supportive families you could absolutely have. Like they, a lot of people, like, like you said before, there'd never been a division one basketball player from my, my high school. So it was like 80 some years of the high school history no one had ever gone to play division one. So when I told some people I wanted to play division one, it was like, yeah, right. Like they'd be like, oh, well, so-and-so was good and he never went anywhere. And this guy was good and he would never went anywhere. 
but honestly, like from my tight knit uh, family that I had, like my really good friends, I had so much support. And my dad was using the driveway, rebounding with me, taking me to the gym to go shoot. My mom is such a huge supporter and they were always the one like dream big, like you're good enough, keep going for it, keep working. So I had so much support from them that it was, it really was phenomenal. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. I mean, so you said dream big, which obviously is uh, super important, but from your experience then having such a big dream um, and continuing on to do, to do many other things, which I'm sure we'll talk more about, how important in your opinion is it to, when, you're, when you have such a big dream, to have a plan and then to, to have a proper idea of how you're going to sort of ex execute this plan. And, and often sometimes even with a plan, things don't go to plan. Um, so, <laughs> so what happens then? Yeah, no, I mean, there's a quote out there. I can't remember exactly who said it, but it's a goal without a plan is just a dream, right? And, and it's so true. Like we have to have big dreams, but you have to match those dreams with some type of action, some type of strategy, some goals, and really how to have that vision of how it's going to come, come true. And for me in my life, honestly, I've always been a dreamer. And when I've gotten the ability to strategically plan and start creating a plan, like things just change, things actually happen. And if you're, if you honestly, if you don't have a plan, if you don't have goals, it ends up really just being a wish. Like you're hoping it's going to happen. Like, Oh my gosh, I want this. And you know, you can have this like motivating factor of how bad you want it, but like, how are you actually going to execute on it is absolutely massive. And like you said, it if like most plans don't happen because for me, it's like, we can't foresee the future. Like none of us are psychics, right? So we can have a, a plan, we can have a dream, mm -hmm. but most likely what we think is going to happen is not gonna happen. Mm -hmm. Like I don't know how many times I've had a dream, I've had a plan, I'm like, this is what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that, and this is gonna happen, this is gonna happen. Like it's never gone exactly that way. There's always been obstacles and challenges and failures and things that don't work out. So being able to have that plan and then respond to that plan is just as important. And if you don't have a plan at all, like you're gonna have nothing to respond to, right? You're just yeah. gonna go, you're gonna get hit with some type of failure, you're gonna get hit with some type of rejection. And a lot of people will quit because they won't know what to do because they didn't even have clarity on what to do in the first place, so. Yeah, absolutely. I, it, it's so interesting because you said, you I, you sent me this write-up and I, I was reading it and 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 also your, your uh, biography and, um, it was so interesting, but the point, the point um, I read, which I found really interesting that you said was that a job is never finished, um, even when you accomplish your goals. And I, I'm reading this book by Ryan Holiday at the moment called Ego is the Enemy. And he even talks so much about, um, you know, once, once you get that dream job or once you get famous and or reach the position that you've, you, you've worked so hard to reach, often people forget all the work that was done to get there and sort of take it easy and um or let it get to their head and don't remain humble and you know they, they just they just forget and that's when things change and, and like they experience a downfall um so when you say the job is never finished when you accomplish the goal is that what you mean that we have to continue working hard oh absolutely like honestly like for me the second i stop growing like that's when i'm gonna die <laughs> like yeah. I think being comfortable is like the biggest enemy we have, right? So for me, like we have a bunch of success and as soon as you start getting comfortable in that, like all of a sudden for me, whenever I've been comfortable, I start losing joy. I start losing happiness. I'm not as motivated. I'm not achieving things. And that's to me like when I'm, like, I, there's a down, downturn that happens from that. 
So like getting mm. comfortable for me, like we reach a goal, we have to keep pushing like what's next. There's always something next. Like there's always another level. So whatever we, again, we have a limited uh, capacity in our brain to like understand what's going to happen. So whatever ends up happening in our life, there's always something more. There's always a different level. So yeah, that's absolutely what I mean. Like we have to keep pushing. And the second we stop pushing in life, the second we get comfortable is the second that usually that downturn is going to happen. Because what I've learned in my life, it's going to be like this anyway. <laughs> like it's, it's going to be up and down and up and down. And it's like, so we have to just keep on pushing to, to really just hit that dream and then see what else is next. Where else could I go? Where else could I try? And that's the way I'm always trying to live my life. And, and w was there somebody specific who inspired you growing up, like in order to, because I feel like, you know, this, yeah. this kind of resilient attitude, is it the athlete in you, which in terms of where this came from, or did someone specifically really inspire yeah. you? How much time do you have? <laughs> so, like, <laughs> oh, um, I, I mean, no, there's like, I mean, there's so many different people, but I honestly think that it's just a lot of experiences. Um, yeah. I've been really resilient, but I didn't always handle it very well, right? So I pushed to get to Arizona State when a lot of people told me I couldn't. And then when I got to Arizona State and I was diagnosed with cancer and I was battling through the cancer, um, a lot of people said, you know, take another year off. You need to rest your body. And I just came back right away and I was like, I'm going to make this happen. I want to play basketball. It's my why. It's my purpose at this moment. And I just want to be on the court. So I pushed to get there. And then my whole life, I've always pushed and pushed. But for so long, I felt like I had a mask on. Or almost like a, a like a disguise so on the outward side I was resilient I was tough I was strong I was winning courage awards like I'd been winning all these national courage awards I was speaking on stages about courage but internally I was just beat up I was I was depressed I was having post-traumatic uh, depression I was sad I was mad at the world I was mad at God I was crying half the time and then I go out in public and it was like I got this you know I, I kind of put on that that costume and then pretend but all those experiences led me to all these new places where I just had to continue to push myself and grow right so when I came back and then I tried to go play internationally overseas a lot of people said you know your basketball career wasn't good enough there's no way you're gonna be able to be a pro your stats aren't good enough and I ended up doing that and then I came back from that still was having post-traumatic uh, depression I was still hiding it now I lost my identity of being an athlete so now I'm like, I don't even know who I am. I lost my why. I lost the purpose that I was always driving me. I had no clarity on even what the dream was. So I definitely didn't have a plan for how I was going to achieve it. And then I got hit with uh, a second battle with cancer. And then I let my depression out. My fiance at the time left me because I was putting so much pressure on her with my depression and anxiety. And then I just broke. And what was really crazy is me breaking was the thing that made me way more resilient in the future. So I totally broke. I attempted to kill myself twice. One time was like maybe seconds away from doing it. Um, I was on the edge. And all of those experiences, though, have led me to that next phase, right? So when that happened, that's when I decided I have to do something different. And that's when I took that trip across the United States. So I drove all over the United States. I went to meet people and went tried to heal I went skydiving, I went surfing, I ran a wedding, I just did all these really cool things. And I really found who I was again, I found my purpose again, found my spirituality again. So I feel as though all those experiences have really just made me tougher and tougher. Mm -hmm. uh, and even just more joyful and appreciative of life. It's uh, built me a better connection to who I am, a better connection to God. And all those things just I know are just going to help me in the future, because I know there's gonna be bigger challenges 
that are coming at me in the future. So I think those those experiences. But on my trip, um, a life-changing event that I had is I was actually driving to Memphis and I was still depressed. I still didn't want to live. Uh, I thought of this trip like, oh, it's one last hurrah, kind of like a bucket list. And when I get home, I'm just going to end it again. And I was like, but I know I need a miracle. So I went on my phone. I went into Audible and I said, I need a miracle. I just typed it in. And A Course of Miracles popped up. And there was all these lectures by Marianne Williamson on A Course of Miracles. And I was like, I have to listen to this. And it was like 15 hours of it. So I listened to 15 hours of Marianne Williamson straight. And that was life-changing for me. I started reading A Course of Miracles. I started trying to practice a lot of the lessons in A Course of Miracles. And that was something I think that really gave me this resiliency to overcome all my fears. So that was a massive moment in my life that really switched a lot of my mindset and the way I feel about myself and, and who I want to be moving forward. Wow. Wow. And, and obviously you spoke a little bit about battling with cancer and that experience and, and, and now, you know, even, even getting to that point where you felt that suicidal, what was the thing at those moments? Because obviously you, ch you chose to battle through it and persevere. Um, was there, obviously this is pre-listening to, to this, um, to, to whom you just mentioned about like this miracle. Um, so at those points, I, I'm interested to, to know what, what really, what, what made you decide otherwise at those moments? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. So I'm really big into like the why that we have in life. And a lot of people, I'm, everyone's heard of like, know your why, know your why. Um, but like the real reason of knowing that why to me, it creates necessity to do things that are hard. And when we have really hard things that we're battling, whether it's, you know, wellness things, whether it's cancer, whether it's depression, whether it's you lose your job, whatever it might be, the why can be that thing that if we connect to it enough, mm -hmm. it allows us to push through and like step into the fear. And if that why is not big enough, the fear is too scary. It's like, why would I ever enter into that fear? Like, I don't want that. But if you can attach, like, oh my gosh, I want this more than anything. I'm willing to step into this darkness, this unknown, this fearful place because it's going to get me to that thing that I want. So my first cancer battle really was that necessity was I wanted to play basketball more than anything. Like it was, it was my why. I wanted to be a professional. I wanted to make my town proud. I wanted to make my family proud. I wanted to make myself proud. And when the cancer happened every single day, I would like visualize myself out on the court playing again, like out there running through passes and knocking down shots. And that really just helped give me a lot of strength to push through and get back to the court as fast as I could. And when I was going through my depression, like I had no why. <laughs> so that was pretty interesting because I think that was more like more divine intervention really. So when I had put that mask on, like I was ready. Like my why was like, I'm done. I don't even want to be here anymore. Like I, I wanted that. So I was willing to go through that fear of putting the mask on because I just knew I didn't want to live anymore. And something made me pull it off. And I don't know what it was because when I pulled it off, I honestly, and I'm part of my language, but I was like, you're such a fucking loser. You can't even kill yourself. Like that's what was going through my head, but I pulled it off anyway. And I really believe that was, you know, whatever you want to call it, God, the universe, like whatever you want to call it, there was a divine thing that was like, you're not done here. Like you have a bigger purpose that you don't even know yet. You have this purpose that you haven't discovered yet, but that is going to do something that's going to really impact the world. And I, I'm like, I still need you here. Yeah. And when I pulled that off, that's when I was like, I have to do something different. And that pushed me to take the trip. So I think a lot of times when you're going through that, the necessity and the why is big, but 
honestly, having faith and trust is huge. And that's something I'm really trying to get connected to now because as an entrepreneur, I'm building up my speaking business. I'm building up my coaching business and I'm doing all these things that there's, you know how it is. It's just like knock down finances, like all these things come up. And for me, it's just, I need to have faith that my purpose and my why that I'm connected to are, that's what I should be doing and then trust myself that I can do it. And those two yeah. things I really lean heavily on right now. Yeah, that, that's amazing. I think you said something really important. And especially, I think it's so, I think the reason I really wanted to ask you that question as well is because people, like more than ever now, I just feel that mindfulness and talking about mm -hmm. mental health and all these things are yep. so much more apparent than they used to be. Um, so it's great that it's a conversation now, but I still think we've got a long way to go in terms of getting people the help they need. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Absolutely. And, yeah. And just feeling like they can talk about these experiences because we often keep it to ourselves. And I think by sharing it, you know, it, it, it makes people feel like, okay, hey, I'm not alone. Oh, for sure. One of the yeah. most fearful things I did, I remember when I first blogged about my depression, and then blog that I had, you know, attempted suicide. That was one of the scariest things I'd ever done because again, like I'd won the Jimmy V award and the Gene Autry courage award and the NCX giant steps award. I was featured in a book, a hundred heroes in sports, like all this stuff. So everyone had this image of me of being this like strong, courageous, like big masculine man and having to put out in the world that I was sad and felt broken and hurt and in pain was so scary. But the second that I put that thing out there and I started getting responses back, like me too, like, oh my gosh, I've had that. Oh, I'm going through that. And especially from people that I never would have thought wow. people that I've kind of looked up to. I was like, first of all, I just took a huge deep breath and was like, oh my gosh, that was, I'm so glad I did that. <laughs> you know, number one, yeah. but number two, it just felt good to start that conversation. And it's a conversation I'm constantly having. Yeah. about you know my past my experiences and how, how hiding that not opening up about it was the thing that was going to lead to my death ultimately mm -hmm. and sharing it and getting help with it speaking to people on it trying new things to practice like how to get out of it that was a big one so like on my journey i have like all these lessons of how i got out of the depression it's like connecting with the right people it's taking care of myself like getting exercise eating right sleeping better it was um, getting connected spiritually, doing all of my meditation, my visualization, doing my A Course in Miracles and reading that, setting goals and dreams that like, I felt like I was connected to, like gave me a purpose to live. And then just doing new, fun, exciting things that made me feel happy. And as I did those things, I started coming out of it. So I'm all on board with that. I think this conversation, I don't think it'll ever go away because our minds as humans, <laughs> like we know what we should do, but we don't do it. And because there's all these things in there, this voice inside of our head, our consciousness, our mindset, whatever you want to call it, is a really strong, um, really strong presence. And sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. So I think it's a conversation that needs to happen always forever because I don't think it's ever just going to go away. Yeah. Like people are going to battle with this stuff. No, absolutely. And from, and, and so you've, you've literally gone from, you know, athlete, you've, you've also coached. Uh, entrepreneur now you like it, it seems like you've got your hand in, in multiple yeah. things um but you know for me i i just i really admire athletes because i think it takes a certain kind of mindset to even to pursue that as a profession be successful in it um and i think there's a lot of a, a lot of great things and a lot of great qualities that you must learn from those experiences yeah. is, is there is there any 
particular points which you can share in terms of something that you you feel you can share with viewers um, in terms of qualities they should embody as individuals that you know go beyond just being an athlete which can be applied to your everyday life and whether yeah. it's from that part of your life or even from coaching or even from what you're doing now what would those things be for you Oof, that's good uh, there's so much right so I love sports I think sports and, and you know athletics can be something that teaches all of us just all these beautiful life examples that we can utilize because the, the reality is in, in most sports if you're a high school athlete in the United States, there's a 0.002%, something crazy. It's like 0.02 or 0.02 that you're going to become a professional. Wow. And it's like a, I think it's a 3% that you'll even go play in college. So the idea is most of these athletes aren't going to become professional athletes. Like 99.98% of them won't become professional athletes. So all these lessons we learn in athletics, to me, are actually more important than anything else. Because these are the things we're going to use for – 80% of our life. So for me, I, I love this question because it's something I'm very passionate about. And I actually have an online video academy for this. I do a lot of speaking at, at high schools and with college teams about this is actually learning these performance skills through this thing we love more than anything and using it to become the best athlete we can be, but then using it to be the best entrepreneur, father, mother, whatever that might be. And a couple of the, the ones I think are just huge. Um, number one is this idea that like, like teammates, like building your A-team, I call it. Like life is not a solo game. It's just not a solo game. Like we're on our journey, but along our journey, there's just people in the way, there's people in the way, there's people that are part of it. Like it is a team game. And for me, the same thing with any sport, like your team is usually the thing that wins the championship. All the pieces help, help make that happen. So for me, one of the best things I learned through athletics is just the, the importance of having a really amazing connected team and when that team is connected and supporting each other and helping each other and playing different roles we're gonna we're more likely to be successful mm -hmm. so for me i look at my team i want to make sure i surround myself with the best pe people possible to help me get to that journey right and then i want to help them get to theirs right we're kind of on each other's teams working it and i feel like so many people don't build that team up they either try to do it alone they feel like they can't ask for help they feel nervous or fearful for asking for help. Um, they just don't surround themselves with the right people to have that success. And it's like, if you ask any of these people and they look at their fo favorite football team or whatever, like they would never pick bad players to put on, a, on their favorite sports team because they would never win games. Like you'd be the Cleveland Browns in football. Like everyone wants to be the New England Patriots because they win all the time. But the thing is like in life, we're the, the owner, we're the GM. Like we are in control of putting these people on our team to win a championship. So I think it's something that we need to be really disciplined with as well, like making sure we find the right people, making sure that we're growing with each other, that we're helping each other, we're pushing each other. And we do that. It's, it's really hard not to have some success. So to me, that's one of the most important things I really try to have in my life. And if you're on my A team, you're on my A team. And if I outgrow you or you're not doing that, I'm going to cut people. I'm sorry. Like you're getting cut. I'm going to move forward in my life without. So that was a big one. Obviously, just the, the ability to continue to work on your skill, I think, is a massive one that I learned. And in, in athletics, you're constantly practicing your craft, your hours and hours and hours of becoming a good shooter or your ball handler or whatever that might be. And I feel like if you take that mindset over to your, to your life as an entrepreneur, same thing. There's going to be success that comes because you're constantly figuring out what skills you need to develop to get better, and you're working on it. You're understanding where your weaknesses are. 
and either working on it or finding a team member to help you with that weakness. So that was a huge thing that I, that I definitely take into my life now. Yeah. And, and how important is it to find other people? Would you say that you're, you're, you're pretty good at holding yourself accountable or do you need other people to sort of hold you accountable? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty good at holding myself accountable. I do a lot of stuff to yeah. hold myself accountable in terms of like my routines, but yeah. I still need to be held accountable too. Like I'm a human, right? I'm going to yeah. do things that, that, you know, sometimes go against what I should be doing. Yeah. So again, I think on the team, whenever I work with people and I'm coaching people and we start building our A team, I usually go to roles. All right. Find someone that pushes you and challenges you. Yeah. Someone who's not going to just tell you what you want to hear, but might like tell you something that pisses you off sometimes, but they're doing it because they love you, right? Find that person. Find someone who can hold you accountable, that is gonna come to you and like, you can tell everything you want, want to tell that person, they're gonna check in on you, they're gonna either push you or love on you. So I just keep thinking of those roles. So accountability, I think when I'm having my team, I definitely have people that hold me accountable. Yeah. And one of the ways I do that is I just share. I tell people what I'm trying to do and then once I put it out in the universe and they know it, I have to do it because yeah. I'm not gonna be the person that doesn't do it and they're looking at me like, oh, there he goes, you know, not following through again. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I know that you're a fan of Will Smith as well, because like, I, I love him. I yeah, love his, I love all his interviews. Um, and just, I think, I think that attitude of like, you know, I just being able to go out there and actually like, really believing that, you know, if you want something bad enough, you can do it. And I love his whole analogy of, um, if you're on the treadmill next to me, like I'm gonna yeah. die on the treadmill. Well, yeah, I love that one too. <laughs> yeah, like that's crazy. Um, so for you, like I, I think it's very interesting because you you also focus on on serving and giving back, and I think that's really important. Even the work you're doing, going into colleges and speaking, I found recently like um, sort of reassessing in my life because I just feel like sometimes when you have a dream, you're so focused on that. On, on yourself and on mm. that achievement um, that the why is all about about you and success as opposed to you serving it's, it's sort of self-satisfaction yeah. um, do you think that's the right way to go about things or do you think it has to always involve giving back or is it just that when you're giving back it's more fulfilling yeah that's a great question I think it's I personally feel like it's a balance like I talk about it a little bit with like, I have this idea of this flow and speaking of Will Smith, I mean, I, it really started from an interview. I heard him on Oprah. So don't, oh, I know everyone's gonna know I watch Oprah, but Oprah's awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> But I was watching Oprah and this was a while ago and, and I was working at a data analytic company. I was selling multi-million dollar systems to banks. I was making really good money, but I wasn't doing anything with my story or my gifts or my experiences to really impact anybody. And Will Smith was on Oprah and he said, if you're not, if you're not, what do you say, if you're not, pretty much it was, came down to like, if you're not giving to someone else, you're wasting your time. Yeah. Because by giving to someone else, you're in return going to give to yourself. And I love that. So when I heard that, I actually went into my office that night and I had a Jerry Maguire moment. And I just wrote for like 12 hours straight. I didn't go to bed that night. And I had written a children's book that night. And I was like, I have these, this story about not quitting and overcoming. And the title of it was, no, you can't. Yes, I can. So it's, be, it's whether someone else tells you can't do it or you tell yourself you can't do it, but you do it anyway because it's what you dream of. And I just wrote it that night. And I was like, I want to give this to as many people as possible to share, you know, inspire through my story. And I started living my life that way of just serving, serving and serving, just giving and giving. 
But what I found was that when I was doing that, I was also, I was getting energy from it because I think contribution is something that it can supercharge us. We feel amazing a lot of times when we give. And honestly, that's what our legacy is going to be when we end. We can't take our money with us, right? It's going to be what legacy did you leave? But I was draining because I wasn't chasing some of the things that I needed to for my financial, for my family, and for the things I needed to survive. And I put myself in a little bit of a hole where I served, 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 but I did nothing for me. I didn't take care of myself or anything like that. So I had this belief that it kind of fills that circle. So it goes, you know, if you're not giving to someone else, you're wasting your time by giving to them, you'll then return give to yourself. And then you need to give to yourself. And when you give to yourself, you return will have the energy to give to other people. So I believe by giving to ourselves, whether it's our passion projects, whether it's the job we have, whether it's health and wellness, we gain energy, we get excitement, we get joy, we get happiness, and we can give that to other people. And as we give that to other people, we can be energized and charged by the serving we're giving, and it comes right back to us. And I know when I'm in that space of when I'm building my thing up, I'm doing that, and then I'm serving other people, and it comes back around, I just feel like I'm in this, like, this amazing space of like just crazy joy and, and purpose and really feeling intentional. So I absolutely love that. And I, I think on top of that though, well, I love it too, but for me personally, like what I do to make money is serving. So it's kind of cool in that sense too. Yeah. But I was, um, I was at like a, a event probably like four months ago and I heard a speaker and I can't remember exactly who the speaker was at the moment, but he had, he chases money quite a bit. He served a lot but he's chasing money. But he said something that triggered me that made me think totally different about the value of money. And he was saying, yeah, I go after money. He's like, but if I get money, I know what I'm going to do with it. If I get money, I'm going to be able to serve even more. I'm going to be able to build more cool things to give to more people. I'm going to be able to give to my family mm-hmm. all these amazing things I want to give. And money's a tool. Yeah. So then I started thinking about it like money's a tool. Like I want it. I want to be able to give it, to be able to create more stuff and invest in more stuff and open up gyms, whatever I'm going to do with it, because I know I'm going to use it for the right way. The money's going to be there anyway. I'd rather have the money in good people's hands, you know what I mean, than people that aren't going to use it right. So as soon as he said that, it really, really triggered me, and I switched my purpose statement after that day, because my purpose statement was always, I want to shift the energy of the world by shifting people through my story, my experiences, my training, and my love. That was my purpose statement. And I, and I added to it and I thought so that I can give myself and my family the experiences and opportunities for growth and joy. And then it was like, it attached that, Hey, with this money, I can get these experiences and opportunities. I can grow and I can have joy and I can give back. I can serve. And it really sits with me really well when I think of it that way. Yeah, that that's amazing. I feel like I can so relate to that in terms of how I thought about money. Like I felt like I was never driven towards it. But then yeah. I, I, I realized like later in life, like actually it is, it. It, you <laughs> yeah. need it. Yeah. And it is a tool to be able to, I think, A, have the liberty of choice of what you want to do and your passion. And yeah, like also give, give back and really make a difference. So absolutely. Um, as we're winding down, I have one last question for you, Justin, yeah. which is because this is all about drive and talking to entrepreneurs like yourself. Do you feel now looking back with hindsight that when you were that, that little boy who had this vision and big dream that you had a different kind of drive to the drive you have right now, or would you say it, 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 it's sort of similar or what would you say about that now looking back? That's a good question. I've always been driven. Like I've always just wanted to achieve, like 
I think it's evolved and it's grown like a ton. And I really hope that in 20 years I look back and I say the same thing. Mm. I don't want my drive. And so I've always been driven. I always know I want to achieve. But I think the reasons why I want to achieve has changed. The way I go about my achievement has changed. Um, For example, when I was younger, it was all kind of ego, like me, 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 I'm going to get this, I'm going to get this. And I would tell myself this narrative that I'm going to work 70 hours a week because then I can have the money to give to my family and my kids. And and that was what I would tell myself. And now I'm driven, but I take so much time for my family. Like weekends with my family is my time. Every Wednesday at noon on, I don't do any work. And, but I'm still just as driven. It's just evolved and changed and it's grown and um, it's in a, definitely in a more beautiful space, a more joyful space, because sometimes drive can bury us if yeah. we're not, if we don't have this, if we're doing it for the wrong reasons, if we're not connected, all those things I talked about. So it's evolved, it's, got, it's gotten healthier, um, but I think it's just as strong, if not stronger. And again, I hope in 20 years, uh, it'll be the same, or actually in 20 years, it'll have grown even yeah. more. Yeah, yeah, amazing, amazing. It was so good to have this chat with you. Thank you again for being on and doing this. And um, I look forward to keep keeping in touch with your journey and seeing what else is in store for you. Well, thank you so much. And likewise, I just really, again, I appreciate the opportunity. I love this conversation. Loved your questions. Um, looking forward to following your journey because I know you're always doing amazing things as well. And <laughs> best of luck with everything. Thank you, Justin. Take care. And that's the end of another episode on Unplug with Annie. Thank you for listening into the series of Drive. Tune in every Sunday and stay updated with everything Unplug on our IG page and Facebook page, Unplug with Annie.